0: my first week back in the saddle on speaking <clears throat> after being on a trip over Thanksgiving in Thailand. So I just had to sprint from the back because my timing is all off. I hope that doesn't continue as we walk through the morning here. Um, we, As I said, we went to Thailand, uh, Cindy and myself and a team from uh, Church in the Valley and four other churches. I'd like to just share a little bit about that because I think it ties into what we're talking about this morning. Um, But we went uh, to help a friend of mine, Kelly Zabinden, who oversees missionaries in Thailand and an adjacent country there in that part of the world. And uh, our goal was to lead a retreat to really encourage the missionaries. They were speaking. We took care of the kids. We we rolled out a whole kids program for them. Uh, it was a team of 13 people from four different churches, from Chico Community Church in uh, Chico, obviously. <laughs> Gary and Joni Hamilton uh, were a part of it. Um, Christian and Sarah Williams from Hope Church in Fort Worth, which is a church we came out of. Also, Cody and Cassie Flannery from... Uh, Orange Crest, which is a church that came out of us, they got a kick out of the fact that it was like somebody from the, the mother church, the daughter church, and the granddaughter church. The pastor in Piau, which is one of the cities we went to, was really into that. He thought that was great because that's, that's a picture of what he'd like to see happen in his ministry. But anyway, uh, we all went out, and uh, the Lottie Moon portion of the Christmas offering goes to support these uh, folks that are in Thailand and all over the world, uh, and that, that's a part of our denomination of churches that serve in this way. But uh, anyway, we went to do the retreat. That's what we knew we were going to do, do a retreat. We are going to speak on uh, some some attitudes, five attitudes in Scripture that God really blesses that you find, fear the Lord, trust in the Lord, humility, teachability, and patients. And then we did the children's program to match that. So that's what we knew. What we didn't know is the first part of the, the trip. We, we landed on Sunday night at about 1040. We got up the next morning and drove through some really curvy mountain roads to another city. And I thought it was going to be a small city. Happened to be a city of 500,000 people. Puyau in northern Thailand. And uh, our our goal there was just basically to help the missionaries who were trying to extend the kingdom, extend the work there in that area, and come alongside a, a Thai pastor, at whom they were exploring whether or not they wanted to partner further with him. So, we went to the university campus, expansive campus, really nice. I was I was kind of surprised because I'd been uh, in at some universities and other countries, and they weren't this nice. This was a really nice campus. But um, we met university students, invited them to a Life in the USA thing. There was a big festival going on. I didn't think anybody would show up. Eighteen students came, and we were able to, through that, get to know them, share a little bit about the U.S., and then build bridge to share the gospel. We had the opportunity to share the good news of Christ with several of the folks. Um, And then uh, we had uh, an English club that meets at the church that the Siriwat, the Thai pastor, uh, leads. Uh, We met with them, and some of the university students came back, so that meant they had a good time the night before. That was encouraging, and we are able to do a program and teach them things like the electric slide, it was interesting, you know, in Thailand doing the electric slide. We're show them, hey, this is what it, this is at least a slice of Americana here. <laughs> this is what this is what people do. So it was fascinating. But here's a pic of what's called the city pillar, and I, I don't think you can. They're working on it. It's a very important structure in Payal. There's a man. I don't know if you can see him, but Mark is is standing there talking to us. And he took took us to this city pillar first uh, in Payal, one of the first places we visited, because he wanted to show kind of how important it is to the city and to the belief system of the people there. He was sharing with us here that in Thailand, there's a layer, at the bottom layer of uh, religious activity is animism, which is just basically a uh a, a system derived to appease the spirits that are endangering people and that scare people and that actually do stuff this is out of their experience so they 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 have all these spirit houses that are designed to sort of honor the spirits and Plead them so that they don't hassle the people in the city. That's, that's why that's there. And he took us there because animism is the bottom layer and then Buddhism is the top layer, and that's kind of the communal aspect of life in, in Thailand religiously. He took us here to show us that it's really a symbol of fear, is what this is. It's, it's a symbol that people, this is a drawing by John, Rickard, who is on the team, he's at the Alhambra campus, but he just sketched this out real quick. And what Mark was telling us is, <clears throat> it's really a symbol of fear because people are very afraid that they're going to come under attack from the spirits. And to me, this is why we, we do what we do. This is why the missionaries who are over there serving do what they do. Because Jesus came to free people from this bondage of fear This is why he came He came to set people free And so this is a symbol for me Of why we do what we do Why those folks are over there doing what they do Why we went to the trouble and missed turkey on Thanksgiving Turkey's really expensive in Thailand So we didn't have turkey, we had chicken But um, that was okay that was a little sacrifice. But those guys over there, they're really laying their lives down because they want to help people find the freedom that's theirs if they turn to, to Jesus Christ and decide to follow him. Uh, here's a picture of Mark and Lisa Pottenod. Uh, they're from the Fort Worth area of Texas. And Siriwat, the Thai pastor that we were working with in Puyallup. I, I was inspired as we spent three days in this city and then as we moved on to the retreat for the missionaries where we aim to encourage them, provide perspective from the scripture for the adults and the teaching for the kids. I, I was inspired once again by people who have given their lives to follow Christ and how he generates this love for other people as you connect with him. This is what God does. They, they're led by him to lay down their life here, to go to a foreign place, learn a foreign language. It was fascinating to hear my friend Kelly from Alabama speak Thai. But yeah, Kelly talked Thai. <laughs> Kelly talked Thai very well. And so it, it, was, it was fun, you know, to see. These guys, they, they move and they, they inconvenience themselves greatly just to get the message of Christ out. This this is all generated by the living God, whom we come to know when we follow Jesus Christ. He compels his followers to get outside of themselves and love and serve other people. Lisa Pottenot here is a trained pediatrician. She laid aside all that she could do and all the money she could make here in America to serve alongside her husband. This is what God does. When you come to know Him, He, he generates this desire to bless other people, to help them get to know Him as well. There's an other centered generosity that flows out of authentic Christ followers. This is what happens. I'm reading a book called God and Government. I'm trying to get ready for a message on politics in March, so you can pray for me.
1: <laughs>
0: we figured it'd be a good time, you know, the election's coming up, but we want to drop back and look at Scripture's perspective, perspective of all that. But I'm reading a book by God and Government where he's describing, in, in the chapter I was reading this week, he's describing the benefits of being an authentic Christ follower for the society around for the culture. And um, he, he quotes a book. He, he said that, well, he, he tells personal stories and he says, you know, Jesus, the reason this is because Jesus commanded us to love others, even our enemies, as he loved us. This is what Jesus tells us to do. He's commanded us this way. And he quotes a book. He refers to a book written by Arthur C. Brooks. He's the director of nonprofit studies for a department of public affairs at Syracuse uh, University. And the book is called Who Cares? The Surprising Truth About Compassionate conservative- Conservatism. Now, the reason it's surprising is because the media paints conservative Christians as what? Crabby, negative, loony. And so they're surprised. As he studied and looked at uh, who's the most generous in the country, he was surprised by this. He concludes that conservative Christians are far more generous than liberals. They donate more money. They contribute a higher percentage of their incomes, even though liberal families average 6% higher incomes than conservatives. He finds that conservative Christians are more likely to do good volunteer their time, to donate blood, to sacrifice their loved one, and and more than twice as likely to help the, the poor. Now, comparison is a dangerous thing and I'm not I'm not comparing t- to comparing conservative Christians to liberal folks to say na 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 look how much better conservative Christians are. <laughs> but the reason I'm talking about this is to show how Jesus reach in, reaches into the hearts of people and grows generosity and a love for others. This is what Jesus does. This, this is what he wants us to, to give our lives to. People are cut from the same cloth. We're all cut from the same cloth. They're just being made by God. There's a dignity and a, mob, a, a nobility uh, from being made in God's image that we all share. And there's a generosity gene that God has built into us. And as we learn to grow in generosity, life tends to come together. Life begins to really, from unraveling, begins to come together. This is the way it works. It's interesting, though, isn't it, how conservative Christians are the ones who are giving of themselves. Um, John Dewey, the guy who laid much of the groundwork for our modern education system and a completely unreligious person, completely. This is what he observed. The church-going classes, those who have come under the influence of evangelical Christianity, form the backbone of philanthropic and social interest of social reform through political action of pacifism, of popular education, they embody and express the spirit of kindly goodwill towards those in economic disadvantage. Why is this the case? Why why is it that those who come in contact with Jesus Christ, when they come to know God through Jesus Christ, why is it that they begin to grow in generosity. It's not that nobody else is generous, but there's definitely a growth that occurs. There, there's some things that happen in the hearts of people. Why, why do Christ followers inconvenience themselves to build bridges to others through serving, meeting their needs with the goal of sharing Christ with them? Why do missionaries go to the trouble of moving to a foreign place? Very foreign. I confess, I'm not, I'm not made for that. I would do it if God told me to, and I would learn to do it. But why do they do that? They, that's, that's, you know, learn a foreign language. Uh, try to figure out how to connect with people so that they can come to know Jesus Christ. If you follow the trail back to its source, The source is God himself and his love for the people that he's made. That's that's the source of all of this generosity that God brings. In this series, we've been looking at God's immeasurable generosity. He's the ultimate giver. He's the one who has given us so much more than we could think or ask or imagine. And we learn in scripture, it's God's love that makes him the most generous. It's his love. He he loves people. He loves the people that he's made. Now, God being God, whatever he is, whoever he is, shapes the way that he runs the universe. Love is at the core of his being. And so out of his love flows... This generosity. Here's possibly the most well-known verse in the Bible and the one after it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God's love here moved him to do something. To give. To give his only son. So that we might not perish. Because we had blown it big time. (laughs) You know, God had made us. He, He put us in the world. He gave us the world to enjoy and to care for. And we rebelled. But God didn't give up on us. He he didn't give up. Our rebellion cut us off from knowing God personally. We began to run from Him, to hide from Him. Our rebellion brought death and judgment into the world and into our own lives and our experience. Jesus was born. God gave His Son. Jesus was born. What we celebrate at Christmas is the fact that Jesus was born to give his life as a ransom for us, to pay the price for our sin. Because God is loving, but he's also just. He's a just judge. So when we rebelled, that was so wrong before God because he made us. It's right for someone made to do what the maker says. But we chose to rebel. God allowed us that freedom to choose to rebel against him. And since God is just, there had to be payment for that rebellion. There had to be payment for the sin. So as judge, he sends his son into the world to take the punishment, the brunt of the punishment for us. And that's what Jesus did. He's our substitute. If we accept what he did on the cross and choose to follow him, we choose to believe, it says, whoever believes in him should not perish. Now, that word belief is not just a mental assent, not just saying, yeah, I agree with that. That's a good idea. The word believe actually carries the idea it was originally written in Greek, and it means that you entrust your entire life to him you give your life to him you you give you you set your heart to try to learn how to live like he would how to think like he did how to talk like he did not not Aramaic which is the language he spoke but, but you're you're trying to as you live your life you're thinking saying and doing the things that he would do in your world when you do that, he begins to generate a love in you that shows up in a tremendous amount of generosity around you. To the extent that you stay connected to him, he grows this generosity in us. When you believe and decide to follow Christ, you get connected to God and his love, and you become one of his kids. You become one of his children and This motivates you to give and serve, to be generous like your father. There's a passage in Proverbs that gives a great picture of what it looks like practically to be generous. Uh, And it shows us in here the personal benefits of generosity. Now, here's the thing about God. He commands us to love, but he doesn't just say, because I said so, like, you know, parents say to toddlers. Why, Mom? Why, Dad? Because I said so. God doesn't do that. He he actually gives us the reasons and the blessings behind the doing of his commands. And so, here's a description of real generosity and its benefits. Proverbs 11. It's on your listening guide, too, if you'd like to follow along there. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer, Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. First, you see that generosity takes action. One gives. Generosity is more than just a feeling, it it goes beyond that. It's more than just a word. It, It releases something. To be generous means that you release something, you let it go. It leaves your possession and goes to someone else. It means writing a check or going online and and uh, directing resources out of your own house toward a purpose beyond you or someone else. Generosity goes beyond feelings and releases what I have to meet a need or serve a purpose. Real gener- generosity flows from a certain attitude. It says freely. One gives freely. Love gives freely. This is what... God did in sending his only son into the world to die on our behalf. My love for God motivates me to do the same. In Hebrew, the word freely literally means to scatter like seeds that you're planting. I seeded my backyard. And I didn't, when I seeded my backyard, I wanted a thick, lush lawn. So I didn't take one seed at a time and, you know, go go around and... (laughs) I had a spreader, man, The seeds were flying everywhere. I was was scattering the seeds. This is a picture of this attitude of generosity that God blesses. One gives freely. They scatter their resources around. You don't hand out a seed at a time so you can track whether or not it grows. Trust me, I kept looking out the window to see if the seeds were growing. I was sweating it. I'd never done that. You don't don't necessarily track it. You're just freely sharing your resources with the people around. This attitude brings the blessing of God. It brings God's blessing into your life. One who gives freely grows all the richer. Blessing in Scripture means well-being. It means life is good all around in every way. Spiritually, physically, emotionally. Even though maybe there's some pain physically, you're good inside. When you give freely, you aren't measuring the return on your giving, but you're trusting God to bless and make life good. Now, here's a clip I'd like to show you from a classic Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. It illustrates this greatly, so I thought I'd show it with you, and you've, you've probably seen it. I mean, we we go through a cycle of Christmas movies every year. We haven't seen this Whole movie yet. But George Bailey, he sacrificed his dreams to leave Bedford Falls and move on from that small town. And because of some things that happened in the family, he stays there and he runs the savings and loan business. And so he he thinks he's missed out on all the good stuff in life. But through the years, he was caring and giving, He, he was generous. And as the movie unfolds, a mishap, a mistake by uh, his uncle puts him in dire need. He's about to lose his savings alone, and this sends him into a whole series of things. He meets an angel, and you probably know the story. What this clip shows is the response of the community he served in love in his time of need. And I'd like you to check out, as we watch this clip, check out the atmosphere and the faces of the people who are helping out let's watch this together
1: Oh. <laughs> I wouldn't have a roof over my head if it wasn't for you, George. Just a minute, just a minute. Quiet, everybody. Quiet, quiet. Now get this. It's from London. Oh, Mr. Gower cabled you need cash. Stop. My office instructed to advance you up to twenty-five thousand dollars. Stop. Oh. ee And merry Christmas, Sam Wainwright. <laughs> Well, now, in New York. Oh, I left right in the middle of it. As soon as I got Mary's telegram. Good idea, Ernie. A toast. <laughs> to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. Ah! From a very dear friend of mine. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. That's right. Not a
0: point, All right, I'm not too sure about the theology of every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. I think they already have them. Okay, they don't need wings. Um I'm not even sure they have wings. That's our interpretation. Well, I guess scripture says some of them do. Um, sorry, that is biblical. <laughs> All right. While I work this out, could you just hold on a second? Um, that, that's a great picture of what we're talking about. He was about to end his life at one point in this movie, and he would have ended it right before he saw the harvest come in of blessing from God. We, we don't scatter seed and watch each seed to see if it's going to grow. We scatter and we scatter and we don't give up, Scripture says. And then the harvest comes in as God, in God's timing. He, he does what he's going to do. Giving freely brings the blessing of God and it protects us from emptiness. Stingy person's always in need. If you're in need, does it mean that you're being stingy? Not necessarily, but you need to check it out. If I'm wrapping my heart around my stuff, Or my money. This is what stingy people do. I'm going to come up empty because money and stuff don't bring fulfillment. This is not where it comes from. God wants us to use our stuff and money to love others. And when we give freely, we're filled, not empty. Withholding is the opposite of giving freely. It's being closed-fisted with my money and stuff. Finally, real generosity compounds blessing over time. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And the one who waters himself will be watered, the scripture says. This is the habit we're to develop. Because whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. This is what you find in scripture. If you want friends, be friendly. Show yourself to be a good friend. You'll have friends. That's what the little note from Clarence the Angel said at the the end of the clip there. You want to be refreshed? Refresh the people around you. This is the way it works. It's backwards. Because there's a point at which we can decide to focus on our own refreshment and expect everybody around us to bring the refreshment to us. That's the death of refreshment. You're going to be living a hot, dry life if you do that. Here are some practical ways to move forward in generosity. First of all, decide to give and ask God to grow your generosity. We've looked at two main purposes of generosity throughout the series, to further God's work and purposes and to help those in need. When you give generously or when you give to the church here, uh, Church in the Valley, it allows us to accomplish our mission. And here, here are some ways that your tithes and offerings have served God's purpose over this past year. Events have been funded that we're allowed to reach out and connect with people in the community and include them in the life of the community so they have opportunity to hear the message of Christ and come to know Him. Uh, We meet here every week, and it's your giving that allows that to happen. We're able to give biblical perspective. We, We are able to sing worship songs that really play an important part in our lives, worshiping God. But the, the biblical perspective you get in a church that teaches the Bible is something you don't find anywhere else. It shapes perspective and, a, and an approach to life that really helps you live in a way that brings God's blessing. We've added the campus in Alhambra. We heard the video from Alex. A gal just came to know Christ last week. She just connected with him. At the Alhambra campus, hours and hours of counsel and coaching are made possible by your giving. If the staff wasn't able to organize the things that go on and the tracks to run on and connect with people, the hours and hours of coaching and counsel wouldn't happen. The Antioch Project North Star training programs are carried out to help develop effective leaders and servants. The kids program is organized. And teaches the kids in a way that they enjoy. And they actually can grasp biblical principles that allow them to put it into play in their life. I've heard many reports of how sometimes kids remind their parents of what the Bible says. Because of what they get, they get out of the kids program. Money goes beyond this group here to other groups and ministries in the U.S. and missionaries around the world. I'm, I'm very grateful for your faithful giving. I, I, it's God's plan for funding his kingdom work through the church, and he uses your, your giving to allow the church to function. Another key to moving forward in generosity is choosing contentment as God grows my generosity. Being discontent is an extremely limiting factor on our willingness to be generous and help others or give to God's purpose. If, if we don't think we have what we need, we're not going to give to others. Why would we? Why would we ever give anything to others if we don't uh, think we have what we need? Here's, a, here's a, a pyramid, and we tend to think of generosity at being at the top of the pyramid. Because you, you build a pyramid from the ground up. You start at the bottom and you build the pyramid from from that direction. At the bottom of the pyramid in our minds normally is our total income that we consider as the foundation of our financial strategy for health and future needs. So we focus on making enough and uh, making sure that we have enough to enjoy the life that we want to enjoy, and a lot of our time and energy tends to go toward our total income, making sure we've got it. Um, next comes what we, need to, what we need, our needs that we need to spend money on, our wants, our next. And then lastly, if we have some left over, we're generous. We think about being generous. But what God does is he, he flips it and puts generosity as the foundation for financial health and security. This is the foundation we build from, generosity from God's perspective. Our generosity is a major factor that influences God's work in our lives and what we have, not just financially. If you're one of God's kids, if you get stingy, he tends to pry your hands open and he he tends to speak to you and discipline you God loves us and he disciplines those he loves and so generosity is a major factor that influences what we have out of that comes what we need and often more than what we need what we want and immeasurably more really than we could ask or imagine our decision is whether we're going to handle our finances the way that pleases God and think about it the way that he does to build from generosity means that we must trust God. If we do this, if we put generosity as the foundation and we give first, we have to trust God to come through and provide. And this is where you find out he's real. <laughs> he really does. Giving is commanded to Christ's followers by God himself, and he is working to grow our generosity as we serve him. It flows out of his character, his love, and he's told his followers To do the same. Since this is the case, He'll he'll take care of us as we give, as we're generous, as He grows our heart to be generous to those around. Trusting God means I don't know how it's going to work out on the front end, but I just know that this is what He's told me to give to honor Him. And so I'm going to do that and trust Him to come through. As I wrap up today's message, I want to, again, invite you back next week to the family Christmas service. This is a really good time. Uh, this message today is the official wrap-up of the series that we've been in. We'll be celebrating next week as a church family, God's generosity together, and sending his son and giving his son to uh, be born and then to die and be raised again. It's not too late to invite someone next week. To the family Christmas service, I hope you invite your friends and family, uh, especially those who don't have a church to plug into or are plugged into church. God uses events like this, uh, this meeting, and then next week's family Christmas service to bring hope to people, to to really speak into the hearts and encourage people. So I hope hope you bring your friends and family and invite them to come. If you would take out your connection card. And look at the next steps we 're going to receive the offering in in a moment i 'd like to ask you if you would finish completing any information you haven 't had an opportunity to complete on that card and then when the ushers come around, you can drop that in the offering basket uh, Here are some suggested next steps memorize proverbs eleven twenty four one gives freely, it grows all the richer, another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Just a reminder of the need to be generous, God's goal for generosity. And then secondly, determine a next step, uh, determine to take a next step toward generosity this week and maybe to invite a family member or a friend or a few to the family Christmas service next week. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your kindness to us, the generosity you've shown to us in sending your son, Jesus Christ, to... Be born to live, to die, and then to raise again. Thank you for the life that brings. that. Those who believe, who give their lives to you, God, can experience eternal life. We won't perish, but have everlasting life, God. We thank you for what you've done. We honor your holy name. and We ask for the power to take the steps you've laid on our hearts to take today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.